Hey kids, gonna start off this week's episode with a little bit of slam poetry. My life is a monthly bill that grows against my will. I clicked for a free trial, my credit card's in denial. My life is a monthly bill. My life is given to the mouse. You may as well call Disney my spouse. Yet it's not my fault I was raised in this gestalt. My life is given to the mouse. My life is a streaming service, and though it can't preserve us, Loretta Modern is one with the net to appear right in your TV set. My life is a streaming service. My life is pixel perfect, and Disney Plus is a sure fit. I can play it all day, my very own single item buffet. My life is pixel perfect. Movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddies where we discuss any media that is too bizarre and more off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic Swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm a noisy boy. And this wow. week on Cinemodities, Zach and I are checking our privilege. We didn't do enough damage when we discussed Dave Chappelle. R. Kelly. So we figured what better way in the middle of this December Plus series, since of course we're focusing on things that aren't on Disney Plus, the streaming services service, what better way to really nail our put the final nail in our coffin than with Song of the South. Does this movie need a lot of introduction, Zach, or is this something that's just, when you hear the name, you know it's or people will think, oh, racist Disney, end of story. Is that is that how this comes off? That's how I've uh, always thought about it. Yeah, yeah, I guess to, to, to layman out there, it's the uh, I guess it's the more the, I don't know if people outright again. Some people definitely would call it the racist Disney movie, mm-hmm. but I think for the most part, it's the Forbidden Fruit. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, I think this was the um, the running joke, of course, before Disney Plus came out that this would you know never ever make an appearance on there, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. okay. So of course it's uh it's perfect fodder for this December plus series and, and we're doing it. I guess we're kind of doing it with something else. I don't know if Zach's putting that in the title or uh, if that's going to oh, be I a will. secret. Okay. Okay. So, uh, captain EIEIO, uh, we're going to, we're going to discuss that as well because after watching this, I think Zach and I song of the South, I mean, we both agreed this, uh, you know, yes, we're two white men who were issued the podcast when they turned 21, as most white men are issued. Um, <laughs> one of us has a beard, so, you know, we got bumped up the list a little bit. And we we figured, you know, let's uh, we're going to do it. We got it. We got to talk about it. We're coming at it, though, not from any racial perspective. I think that's the best way to say it, because, sure, we could have a discussion about how we're unable to quantify the racism with with our privilege. But I think Zach and I are going to come at it more of just, there's a reason, I think Zach said it best before we recorded, there's a reason this movie got forgotten, and it's not the racial aspects. Is that, is that am I paraphrasing correctly? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. So what, should I throw it over to you, the curator of December Plus, 
Uh, I think I might have answered it already, but was there any other reasons we wanted to discuss this? Uh, no, because I well, I think it's the lowest of the low hanging fruit when it comes to movies that aren't on Disney Plus. I think it's just okay. one of those uh, you have to cover it. And plus, it isn't. I think it's fair to say that at least within the Disney canon, it's an oddity. It might not oh, be an yeah. oddity. Like again, this was made by any other film studio or produced because this really wasn't. They didn't release this; they just made it. Uh, it would be forgotten. It'd be like, oh, whatever, who cares? But it is because it's been hidden behind a wall for so long, in the official sense. Again, if you know where to look, you can find this film quite easily. But no, it's it, it's it's an oddity because of just who made it. Yes. Okay. Okay. I like that. And I, I think that's the the oddity part of it. I think that's something I want to start with. Is this is of course you know Disney film. I've seen a good bit of Disney films. Sure, more when I was younger. But, you know, we did Aristocats. We've been doing this stuff. Uh, well, Disney sing-along songs doesn't really count, I guess. But uh, something that stood out to me hardcore while watching Song of the South was I've never seen, like, a feature-length Disney film that feels so loose. Like, I felt like there was no plot here. Everything else, like, Aristocats had a clear plot. Hercules had a clear plot. Sure, different times of Disney. But I, I've, I was kind of blown away by, you know, I was sitting here watching it, and halfway through, I'm like, what's the point of this? Like, is this just story time for Br'er Rabbit or is there actually a plot and it turns out that it turns this who's going to own this dog right it just it feels so loose to me and it's weird coming from Disney I feel well you have to look at this like when it was made again comes out in what 1946 and they really didn't have again yes you had your your Snow White your Pinocchios Dumbo Bambi Mm -hmm. but this was their first attempt at trying to do like a genuine live action animated hybrid film sure sure yeah precursor to Roger Rabbit for sure yeah this is one of those things where I feel this is less of a film and more of a stepping stone to Mary Poppins Mm, yep okay that that's how as i was watching this i'm like oh mary poppins wouldn't have existed the film not the character if it weren't for this film oh okay it was uh something like a learning process for them you think i think so i think that's the best way to look at this because there's really again obviously we it'd be practically impossible for us to kind of put our heads in the mind of the casual film viewer of the mid 40s and i again this is the weird thing about this movie is that like it's not bad. It's just like you say, it's kind of aimless. It's all over the place. There's really, it's certain aspects are cute. Mm-hmm. The, I think we kind of hinted upon it in our discussions before our pre-recording discussion. It's the idea that like the white characters are horrible, but not for like racial reasons. They're just the most boring, just bland characters. <laughs> yeah. Like in all honesty, I'd rather have like the entire, and that's what the short stories are based on or uncle Remus. I'd rather have the entire story of him just doing his thing as opposed to him interacting with a bunch of child actors that just like a uh, screech at the screen for like 90 minutes. <laughs> oh yeah. And then the animated segments too, like again, Br'er, Br'er Rabbit's cute, but like the Fox and the bear are just like, they make me want to punch myself in the face. Okay. <laughs> like I don't like the, that. What we get three animated sequences in this, like yeah, full so. on vignettes. And I'm like, this is, this is boring. Like, I get it. Like when this was being done, like there was no such thing. Like there was not animation on this scale anywhere else, but for Walt Disney. Yes. You had other things like Warner brothers, them doing their thing, but really at this sort of just like money being pumped into a feature length film, there was nothing else quite like it. And I think that's what it was. It was, it was Disney trying to figure out how to reconcile 
feature again a feature length film with animated like sections. Sure, sure. And that's why it comes out. It comes across more as an experiment than a, like a finished product. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because there's again, like Rob already said, I'm watching this and it's like this movie should be released just so people realize that it's not very good. Like it's not this like <laughs> ultimate like oh like once we get this film the skies the clouds will part it's like you don't have to wear sunscreen anymore outside it's it's not that this is not a good movie by today's standards even when you again you remove the racial aspect of it which in today's day and age you're not winning that fight on the racial component mm-hmm. but it's it's not a great film and that's why it's it's weird that like I think the best thing could happen in this film is like just just put it out there. Let people watch it and be like, this, you should put a disclaimer in front. Because I know they've been doing that with, like, Dumbo and a couple of the other, like, like golden era Disney films. Being like, this film might be, uh, like, oh, God, insensitive to people of the modern era or something like that. And I usually I hate disclaimers like that because it's like, well, like, everything is not. It's like, oh, what was okay then isn't okay now. I'm like, yeah, that's called, like, progression. Yeah, it's like yeah. we're constantly evolving as a society. It's like nothing stagnant. But with this, the, the disclaimer should be like, this is not a very good movie. Speeding was never it. illegal in the 1800s. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's called progression. Yeah, it's again, the disclaimer in front of this should be, this is not very good. Just watch it and, let, and let it, show it for yourself. It's like, like yeah. find out for yourself. That's what it should be because it's not, this is not anything to get like upset about. Like, I still think it should be at least accessible in an official capacity because it is part of the Disney canon. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's wrong to just ignore it on like more of a principle level. Definitely. But on a content level, there's nothing really to be gleaned from this that you wouldn't be able to glean from Mary Poppins. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm with you there as well. You know, just release it. I think if anything, keeping it hidden and and you know wanting to eradicate it from ex- its existence, that just makes it you know more of like a like a legend, like a cult myth, and people think it's a lot worse than it really is. And it's like when you you have the truth, it's just kind of like, oh, this is what we were all getting up in arms about. This isn't bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, again, that's the biggest thing with this, is that a lot of people, I know, like, and more from certain segments of the population are like, Disney promised us everything, they didn't give us everything. And it's like, folks, that's that's what this entire series on December Plus is. It's like, it's to prove to you that they lie. It's like, they they do whatever they want. They don't care about you. And that's kind of what it is. And this will always be hidden until, unless we do a weird sort of shift in the the culture when it comes to racial media. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, though, it's a, I anybody who really wants to see this, go watch it for yourselves, and I'll be shocked if you can actually sit through the whole thing and not be bored out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I – and so I guess we should say that for the latter part, like, we're going to kind of do another, like, Dark Crystal death kiss discussion in that, like, we watched the movie, don't have a lot to say about it, just because not – like we're afraid of being canceled. It's more because there's really nothing to dissect in this. Like any yeah. sort, like that hasn't already been like a tech. Yes, we could talk about the uh, the uh, tar baby sequence. We could certainly talk <laughs> about that. But like it's it's there. Like what what are we going to add to like the the, the discussion on that? Yeah, I I'm I'm with you completely. Um, I I was looking, you know, after watching this last night and then uh, checking it out or researching it a little more today. Uh, I found that, you know, there's no shortage of discussion about this. Of course, most of it's under the lens lens of racism then, racism now, that type of stuff. But, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything we can really add to this um, in our in our usual great cinemodities way. <laughs> Damn I think straight. 
I think the unfortunate thing for Zach is I don't think I can add much on Captain EIEIO also. So we'll see how that goes. What? This, this, it what? was no death kiss. <laughs> well, nothing will ever be death kiss, but. I think one of my notes for Captain EO is that I was like, does Zach Michael just want to read? Does Zach want to rebrand the podcast into something about dancing? <laughs> yeah, he's figured it out, folks. He figured yep. it out. Yep. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to cover uh, the next season of So You Think You Can Dance. <laughs> no, no, that's trash. I think that's why we'd want to cover it. You would be tell us how all those dancers are trash. I feel home. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I guess I guess like maybe we want to do it like a song of the south, just so we at least do some like due diligence and just talking about it. Is that I absolutely again I love James Basquet as Uncle Remus. I think he's oh, yeah. phenomenal. It's a shame that like he got buried under like the whole thing. His performance got buried under the this is a racist film we can't talk about anymore because he does. I think he does a wonderful job. He has this like kind of warm enthusiasm to him that really wasn't around in Disney films at the time. Like I think he's infinitely more interesting of a character than anything in Mary Poppins. Sure. Like he again, Dick Van Dyke ain't got nothing on James Basquet. Mm-hmm. That's the weird thing is like I think if we lived in a different culture today and not this film, I mean like if you took the Uncle Remus character, I don't think there's probably any ideal way to do this. But if you kind of reformat him for today's generation more as like a, a storyteller, I'd love to see that character is just somebody who's just a storyteller who has like a fantastic imagination. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see that just come to the forefront. I got cast an older African-American actor. And I think it'd be a really just, I'm, I'm not saying you, again, uncle Remus is fables. I'm not saying you could do that. Cause that again, mm. a, there'd be a ton of baggage with that as well, but it's a shame that we kind of an instance of throwing out the baby with the bathwater where you have this actor that gave a fantastic performance and it's really not accessible because we just threw out everything around him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that that is a bummer because I wasn't really familiar with him in any sense prior to watching this. And that, like I said, was the best part of the movie. Yeah, because he didn't even live that long. He died two years later after this. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, he be, uh, even 44 years old. Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, he did um, uh, voice acting for the animated portion, some of it. And yep. specifically, he did um, the Fox voice acting. And I was very intrigued by the Fox's voice acting. Like this manic fox just ranting and, or rambling, I should say. Not really ranting. It, it is somewhat reserved. And I thought it was very interesting. And then I looked it up, saw it was him. I was like, oh, awesome. And it makes perfect sense. He's the one telling the story. He would do the voices for the kids. You done played your last trick on me, Bear Rabbit. <laughs> you sure have. Yes, sir. You done played your last trick on me. Here, pull that knot. You sure looks mighty good in that bow tie, Bear Rabbit. Yes, sir. You looks mighty good in that bow tie. Don't you look good in that bow tie, Bear Bear? Yeah, I ain't never seen nobody that good in the bow tie before. He all dressed up for dinner. Yeah, for dinner. Yes, sir. He really dressed up for dinner. For my dinner. Yeah, and uh, even like again, obviously he didn't live very long after this was released. But I couldn't find any information about like even from like any sort of family member saying like he hated working on this or he felt okay. like demeaned or I don't know. Interesting. Like, I, like there's definitely criticism on his like people. I know like in the Wikipedia thing, um, I found some stuff saying that people felt that he was kind of uh, he took demeaning roles in the sense of. Like, like the media kind of projecting that onto him, mm. but I couldn't find any interviews of him being like family members being like, oh, like after he did, like, he only did this for specific reasons, and then once it was out, he felt like kind of humiliated and degraded by this. I couldn't, I couldn't find okay. anything about it. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's, it's mm. a shame because I think he is. He, he, he won an honorary Academy Award for this role. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's he, the. Uh, he tells the best tales in the whole United States of Georgia, as one of our characters <laughs> says. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. I really think it's one of those things where it's like, I know people, I kind of hate the movie just as a, an idea more than what its content is. But check it out just for James Baskett's role. Like, in all honesty, <laughs> if I could watch a cut of this movie, like an edit, that's just him. <laughs> sure. I think that'd be great. Like, cut this, like, cut all the scenes of just the kids. Like, cut all of them. Oh, just yeah. give me, just give me James Basquette for like forty minutes, and I'll be thrilled. I want that cut of the movie. Release the James Basquette cut. <laughs> Start that trending. Oh god, exactly. <laughs> Even like, I, and it's funny as I was watching this, I was like, huh. We have like the one other, um, the African African American maid, and I'm like, is that is that Hattie McDaniel? And I'm like, oh my god, it is because God, she was famous from Gone with the Wind. Yep. And I'm like, oh, yeah. wow, God give uh, Walt Disney credit for getting her too. Mammy. Like, yeah, yeah, Mammy, go Mammy, and yeah, like, she's great too. That's the thing is that like every white character is horrible, like both like in a like story narrative sense and on an acting level. Oh, like yeah. the only the only white character that's slightly redeemable—I don't want to say redeemable, but like entertaining to watch—is the grandmother because like Aunt, I guess we should talk about Miss Sally because <laughs> Miss Sally has a like a son. Oh, the son's technically the main character. Yeah, it's, that's it's, it's how this, I took it. Yeah, I don't even know his name. Guy McBoy. We have Guy McBoy, and he's living with his grandmother and mother because his father has to go off back to Atlanta mm -hmm. because something. We're never yeah, told he, what he, that something is. Doesn't it says there's like one line that he works for a newspaper or something yes. like that? Which is like I don't get why that's a huge deal. He's like, I, it's like sure he's going off for work. That makes sense. But then they're like, it works for a newspaper, and it's like, okay, what does that matter? Yeah, and that's I'm thinking that because I I was trying to read some like analysis of this and because it's like oh I know a lot of people erroneously say this took place during like antebellum like before the Civil War but okay. it's not it's during the Reconstruction phase and a lot okay. of people say that if you look at the costumes the costumes are very indicative of that like 1870s Southern like style of dress mm -hmm. and the only thing I can think of is that he's some sort of like. Oh God, I, I don't know the correct term. Forgive me, folks, for my ignorance. But it's like he's a uh, pro integration, and that's oh. why, like, and that's why he's like butting heads with Miss Sally, his uh, wife, and the grandmother, being like, "Oh, it's like he's more progressive in his ideals." But I've also read stuff too that he's not, and he's trying to, he's trying to undermine. Okay, like that. Like I, I can, I don't know. Like it's, it's very ambiguous in the film, and I think it's more or less up to interpretation. Gotcha. But that's how I've interpreted it while watching is that like the Miss Sally, the mother and the grandmother are very, let's, let's put it kindly, uh, old fashioned wink, mm -hmm. wink. And that's why he doesn't get along. He's like, Oh, I have work to do. And that's why Miss Sally's like upset with him. It's like, your priority shouldn't be these things. Your priority should be our family. Okay. Okay. That's just my interpretation. Who knows if it's right or wrong. Sure. Sure. Understandable. But yeah, but like Miss Sally, she has a son. She's like, son, I don't want you doing anything. I want you sitting in the house having a birthday party. Yeah. You can't have <laughs> friends or pets. You can't. You have to be the boy in the bubble, basically. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. Even at yeah. one point, too, it's like the grandmother's like, let him have fun. She's like, no. He needs to wear this giant doily as a collar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then, like the only again, there are some cute moments of this. Like you kind of feel like when uh, we have the, what the two uh, inbred brothers that like live in the woods, and they're like they're, they're bothering their sister, who kind of like is the 
what the friend of our main character guy McBoy. And at one point, I was like, so confused by the <laughs> the taller bully kid. I was like, is this? I was like, is this a person? Is this an animatronic? Like, it looks so weird to me. <laughs> like, I couldn't put my yeah, I couldn't put my finger on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I there are so like the problem is that like maybe it's because of the the era this film was made in. Like, again, this is nineteen forty, so it's like think about cinema is only a few decades old at this point. Yep, yep. And so a lot of and plus you're doing children actors. That really wasn't a Oh god, a, a fleshed out thing at that point So a lot of it could be The fact that nobody knew how to act Like coach and direct children mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely I think oh, yeah. that, that could make total sense You know, if we're people I think you get, you're getting these kids to act And it comes off as, you know, maybe stale or whatever It's like, oh, that's just, that's just They might write it off as be like, that's just what kids do You know, it's blah 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 That misunderstanding of, you know, getting that realism from children And it's yeah. so apparent Especially when the girl it becomes a character and there's like what the oh I laughed so damn hard when what they like fall the the bullies or someone the girl ends up in the mud and she like gets her dress dirty and then the boys like I'll clean off your dress and start just wiping it and she goes you're just making it worse <laughs> and I was like oh god that's so bad but it's so funny <laughs> gee Jenny please don't cry we can still go to party if you wanna I'll clean off your dress. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that moment was cute though Like when they push her in the dress and she gets all sad I'm like, oh, like, like that was one of the very few Moments in this that felt genuine And not just people in front of a camera Like that's one thing too about this movie is that, Like at no point while watching this Did I feel like I was like melting into the story It was like mm-hmm. oh this is a movie With a capital M I am watching people act It felt like almost more of like a stage production At times Like I, I, I never felt like like I sort of blur. I felt like I am very much in the audience. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and that's just why. Yeah, and that's why some of those moments where you do get some of the authenticity from the actors, you're like, oh, like something I can, la- I kind of like get my claws into, mm-hmm. and then and then it disappears because we get just like you said, like the, the the two brothers like gnawing on the scenery. It's like, oh no. Yep. Yeah. Miss Sally shows up. Guy McBoy, you missed your own birthday party. Well, aren't you kind of a jerk for having a mother and having a birthday party where your kid's not there? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, oh, this movie. God. Yeah, this movie's kind of all over the place. It's not yeah, it's not oh, good. Yeah, the all Very, over the place definitely. I you know, like uh like Zach said, there are some of those those cutesy moments with the kids and with the um, you know, the storytelling from uh, Uncle Remus. But there's other stuff in here that I thought felt like a horror movie. Like, especially with some of the music, you know, I guess it's a, an uh, artifact of the era this was created in, but like, you know, the little, the little boy, what'd you call him? Boy McKid? Kid McBoy? Whatever. Guy, Guy McBoy. Guy McBoy has to wear, his mother makes him wear like the 65 inch radius doily over his, <laughs> around his neck. Like it's a doily scarf. And then uh, the bullies make fun of him for wearing the lace collar. And like the, the kid's sad because he's getting bullied and he's like walking away and the music is like horrific. Like it's something out of, it's like it's building tension. Like I was waiting for the jump scare, I felt. <laughs> Look at the little girlie wearing a lace collar, wearing a lace collar, wearing a lace collar, wearing a lace collar.
Yeah, there's, I noticed that too. Yeah, there's some weird moments where the, like, the, like the score really is like dialed up, and it's like, wh- where is this going? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, what what are you alluding me to? That's not going to happen, film. <laughs> Why do I feel anxious? He's just gonna. <laughs> we're just gonna get another animated rabbit story. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So something I, that definitely I needed to know if it was just me or if it was for both of us, but. I correct. I think you'll get what I'm saying. I might not use the correct terminology, but the color grading, I believe, of this movie mm. was this movie changing colors like in real time. <laughs> like I felt like I felt like I was watching this movie and like the palette of the scene. Like imagine if you had a knob and you, you would turn that knob, the colors would change gradually. Like, it's very subtle. Did you notice that? Uh, I think. I, I I haven't found any information on this, but I'm starting to think that maybe that was something of the quality of the copy we were looking at. Okay, okay. Because I guess you should say, folks, usually Rob and I play like, coy with this stuff, but we had to find a bootleg for this because they're really it's not on Disney Plus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not on Disney Plus. And I think it was more of that because I don't think there's any ideal version of Song of the South in existence. I know, like in Japan, it's been released on DVD, but it's never been. It's never been restored in any way, like it's sh- as it should be. Okay, okay, because it, it made me think of, uh, well, it made me think of two things. Anytime colors are just changing on you, you're tripping. You're on acid or something, and that's why I was like, whoa, like what is wrong with me? Like, am I having an acid flashback and I'm hallucinating while watching this movie? But the other thing it made me think of was, you know, I definitely got that. I had that thought. It might be because of the copy we have and all that stuff. Um, but it's like at, at the beginning of Under the Silver Lake, the first time I watched that, there's like, like nothing is in focus and it's very subtle. Like the, like the, it's like in and out of focus. And I'm, the person I watched it with, we were like, is this fucked up? Like, do we have a bad copy or, and it turns out uh, we think that it's purposeful at the beginning of that movie. And so mm-hmm. I was kind of like, what would this be saying about this film though? Because I, there's even, it goes on the whole time as far as I'm concerned. And there's shots where like the kids are running like into the distance and, and there's a field that you see a lot of. And the grass will like it'll be like a, a dark green, like it looks like grass, but then it looks like it starts to go a little purple, and then it goes a little blue, and it like just gradually changes. And I'm like, what is this adding? This is adding nothing. So we think it's an artifact of just the the age and the copy of this movie. Yeah, that's that's my assumption. Okay, okay. So, but you you, you noticed it too, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it's hard to miss. Okay, it's, okay. it's the idea. <laughs> that of... was my. That was. I just need to check if, like, I didn't get dosed or anything last night. <laughs> no, I think it's the fact that this film's never been properly restored. I think gotcha. that's kind of the thing. And probably, Lord knows what version you found. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's like anything else. I think about it. It's probably. I think the animation looks crisp because back in the day, they knew where to put. They knew where to put the money into that. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney had figured out how to, to streamline that. Even though it was very expensive, they knew how to do it right. Whereas uh, with live action filmmaking. I think it was something they were still trying to get their uh, a grasp on, and it just didn't it didn't work. Or, or let me say that it would have to it would have to be cleaned up, and it's never been cleaned up. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because even like some of the zippity do like the zippity do not sequence. You look at that; it's kind of like you, you can't tell sometimes where like oh god, James basket James Basket's eyes are. It's something that you just <laughs> can't tell because it's like oh like and it's like oh it's not the film. It's it's the or the, I guess, the directorial intent. It's more just the quality of what we're looking at. Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, I noticed. I noticed that too. Yeah, some of it was definitely odd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's uh. It's it's one of those things. Where that's why I, I've I kind of wondered this while I was watching it. It's like I wonder if Disney has ever restored this, or if it is just like a like a the negative. Yeah. A few copies are just sitting in a, in a oh god a preservation 
library somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess somewhere wherever they keep that sort of stuff, the salt mines. I'm just curious if they ever poured the money into restoring this, just for the sake of preserving history, not for the intent of re-releasing it. Yeah, but considering yeah. what we know about Disney is that they typically don't do something unless they plan to make money off of it. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that's weird, though. I, I wonder, and that'll probably be uh, more toward the cinematis late night aspect of the conversation but it's kind of interesting to wonder like what will ever happen to this like if you're if you are someone like i don't know jj abrams you're like i want i I have clout i want to screen this they have to have copies of it oh yeah definitely but the question is that do those copies look any better than like the cop the last time this was theatrically released i think it was in 1986 so is it one of those prints Mm. who knows Mm. yep the mystery pursues I guess. Or in ensues. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm trying to think. There's really nothing else. Like, I guess I'm not sure if you how much you want to highlight the uh the animated sequences. Uh, they didn't they didn't do much for me. Like I said, the voice acting from the Fox was interesting. Um there was some really good whistling in some of the animated sequences. <laughs> uh we picked up on that. These eyeballs. Um, uh, we see animated frogs smoke tobacco in one of those sequences. Yeah. So, you know, what, what, what how, how could you go wrong with that? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh, I, so I guess I have a note. I don't remember. I kind of remember where it was. I don't remember who, who was in there, but my note just says you coming around on bacon day while toting only three or four pieces of firewood. I feel like there's a scene where like uncle Remus or someone comes in with like just uh, like three or four pieces of firewood, like not a very big load. And then someone's like, oh, it's bacon day. And I think I got on a jag of like, that's what, like you shouldn't get bacon day. You only brought four pieces of firewood. Like that's going to burn for like an hour. Like you don't get bacon for that. Like actually do your chores. Then maybe you'll get some bacon, you know, right? (laughs) What's your stance on bacon day, Zach? (laughs) I I did like that line though. I thought that line was funny though. I chuckled at that. Like that's the thing I mean though. It's like those, again, they had chemistry together. Yeah, yeah. Miss Sally and the kids are just like staring at each other. It's like watching like robots like interact with each other. You know, you remember like you get like the toys as a kid, like all the little toy robots. Like what was it, the dog that would sit there and talk? It's like putting two Furbies together. It's like yeah. it's on the com- it's like on the commercial. Like put get get two Furbies and watch them talk. And you watch the commercial and they're like ajabaja, ajabuji. And you put them together. They just kind of stand there and they just kind of like and their mouths are open to each other and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even at the big kind of the end, I guess when uh. Miss Sally has to realize the error of her ways. Her stuff, her lines are delivered so stale and it's like cardboard where she's like, yeah. oh, I'm afraid mother is to blame. And it's like, geez, it's like you didn't want to do a second take of that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, God. <laughs> Where'd he go, Mama? I don't know, son. But why'd he leave? Why? I'm afraid mother's to blame. 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 I'm afraid mothers to blame. I'm afraid mothers to blame. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, God, I want that as the pull quote for me on the DVD box art. It's going to be, uh, it's like watching Furbies. Zach Weber. <laughs> yeah. Song of the South. It's like watching Furbies talk. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, even like the animation sequences, like I even those I found kind of like, like compared to things like Snow White, and Bambi and Dumbo, those are just so again stale. It's yeah. like this, this is so vanilla. 
yeah, I felt like it was it was uh, like vanilla is a great way to put it. It was just filler. It seemed just padding away. Like I, I didn't understand. There's only one of them. I, one story. I was like, oh, I get how this relates to what the kids are doing. But all the others, it was just like, oh, I guess this is just vignette time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's something just to entertain the kids. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's that. I hope it worked back in the day. I really don't know how this was received. Did you look into that? How this was received at the time? I, that, of course, you can look at the like, problem is that a lot, there's a lot of revisionist history. Sure. To, like, a lot of people have just been like, oh, I guess there were protests. Like the NAACP was there and did not like this. Okay. And it, yeah, I don't know. I think this has always been a weird one in that, like, it made money for them. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think this was by no means a failure, but I think there's a reason why this always kind of like in the great canon of Disney films of that era. Again, your your Snow White, your Dumbo's, your Bambi's, you kind of have this like right after World War Two ends. And it kind of just it's it's caught, I guess, in the wake of World War Two transitioning into the 1950s, because after this, the only the next Disney film that truly resonates with the public is Cinderella. And that's 1950. Okay. Oh, OK. Okay. And by this time, Walt was kind of getting tired of animation too. Like he kind of felt like sure. he he already he already triumphed with things like Snow White, Bambi, Fantasia, and Fantasia. Again, like we've discussed numerous times already. That was really was his uh, that was his big one. And after mm-hmm. that, everything else was, it's like okay, how am I ever going to top Fantasia? And I think he kind of surmised like I'm not, I'm never going to. So why bother? Okay. Okay. So yeah, it's a bland movie. Yep. Yep. I think uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask you, Zach, is um, if if you feel comfortable answering, uh-oh, I know it's uh-oh. a very personal question. Am I where, racist? Where, <laughs> where, well, the, your answer to this might might show off if you're racist or not. Where is your laughing place, Zach? Oh, right. I think I know where it is. Do you where do you want to tell the audience, or are you going to have to bleep it out? Because it's, <laughs> it's right here on the Cinematis podcast. Okay. Okay. Um, my, my next question is, where's my laughing place, Zach? Where the fuck did you put it? Cause I can't, cause I can't find it. You can't find it? <laughs> no, I don't know where my laughing place is. <laughs> no, I thought that was hilarious. That, that last story where is, you know, uncle Remus is the, you know, you got to find, tells the kids, you know, you got to find your laughing place, that type of thing. And then just the two kids go on a hardcore, like giggly rant, like laughing place, laughing place. And I'm like, oh my God, this is giving me a headache. <laughs> a lot of the kid stuff is really like grading like it really oh, yeah. is it's like make it stop make it stop yep. it's like I, it's like halfway through the film like, i just wish this one kid would get like gored by a bull and then sure enough <laughs> yeah 75 minutes later it happened that was one of my last notes i was like wait the end of this movie is a kid's funeral <laughs> and then, then my next note is oh he's not dead oh <laughs> yes very disappointedly <laughs> Yeah, that's a weird ending too. It's like, oh, so what happens to the main kid? Like after like Uncle Remus is shooed away by Miss Sally, he gets gored by a bull. Yeah, yeah. It's like what? What? It's like where does this come from? It's like yeah, yeah. makes no uh, sense. It's all so loose. It's crazy. It is. There's there's very little structure to this. And you look at things like Snow White and all that, and it's like there's structure there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. This is this is weird. This is a goofy movie. Not even a good kind of goofy. <laughs> My laughing place is anywhere that this movie isn't. There we go. <laughs> that I can agree with. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I guess we should say, okay, now this is the fun part of the conversation about how this like ties into like the real world in Disney. Is that one of my favorite Disney stories 
is back during the 80s, Michael Eisner, at the time CEO of the Walt Disney Company, wanted to build like a log flume attraction at, mm-hmm. at the parks. And they're like, oh, like what can we base this off of? And it's like, what what like movies do we have that we could tie into like a log flume? I think I've read stories they considered doing it off the movie Splash. Maybe, okay. maybe not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the timing on that. I could have sworn they wanted to base it off something else. And they're like, eh, that's not gonna work. That's that's gonna be a weird one. And someone suggested Song of the South. And, and, ba- and even back in the 80s, you're like, well, that's the racist movie. We can't like we can't <laughs> touch that. That's a hot potato. Yeah, they're all pulling and, their collars. <laughs> exactly. And I forget who it was. It might have been Jeffrey Katzenberg or Eisner was like, let's re- let's re-release it in theaters. It hasn't been re-released in a while. Okay. Let's put it in theaters for a couple of weekends and see if anything happens. And if nothing happens, we'll go we'll go ahead with it. And they did that, and it was eerily quiet. Like, nothing happened. They're like, well, I guess it's safe then. <laughs> and uh, long story short, Splash Mountain is one of the most popular rides at Disney. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody knows Splash Mountain. Uh, certainly more than they know the name of this movie, I would I would bet. That's what I mean. It's, it's one of the strangest things that <laughs> this film is considered, like, the ultimate taboo in the Disney company. Yet we have a ride based off of it. Yet we have all these other movies that are famous Disney movies that don't have rides. Like we don't have a Hercules ride. We don't have like a a Mulan ride. We don't have Tarzan. We don't have, well, I guess there's like quasi tangled stuff, Mm -hmm. but you have all these Disney movies that are held in such high regard. Yet the movie that the company wants us to deliberately forget has numerous rides across (laughs) the globe. (laughs) Like only Disney could do something like that and be like, so what? Yeah. Yeah. How do we, uh, how do we start that? That uh, how do we get this uh, hashtag Splash Mountain racist trending on Twitter? That probably actually wouldn't be difficult, unfortunately. Cancel Splash Mountain. <laughs> Cancel Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain bigoted. Something like that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, Someone right. Al- it does not matter. Call up Al Sharpton. We got a shakedown for him. <laughs> oh God. I don't know. It's so weird for Disney. Like, considering the day and age where like anything is just like taboo, I'm tr- I'm shocked they haven't tried to sanitize it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess, I guess they're more I, just trying to leave it alone. I guess it's the idea that it's just uh, nobody, like you said, nobody would recognize it. It's like you go up to, like, I guess if you stand out, uh, stand it, if you stood outside Disney, any of the parks, and just like screamed at people, Song of the South! Even though I think more people nowadays would recognize it more than like maybe 10, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I still think the majority of people, like 95% would be like, what? Yeah, South, South Song, isn't that a TV show on CMT? <laughs> that that's what I think it comes down to. So I don't think yeah. anybody cares. They're gonna it's say Song mo- of the South, and they're gonna be like, "When when's Disney releasing that? That's a new movie, right?" <laughs> on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I I think I don't have much else to say about Song of the South. It was it was uh, painfully boring. Indeed. Some some minor things for us to look at and comment on, and I I think. Uh, Everything else will come back with our real questions later on, especially yes. because I think I, I think I got distracted during one of my snacks, and I like cut it off, but I don't remember how to finish it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll have some fun there. Yeah, I don't even know where to go with snacks when it comes to this. Oh, my late night answer that I wrote down is weird too. Okay, okay. So Zach, do we want to switch gears to E I E I O? E I E I O. Yes. yes, Rob. For years, well, for a year now, I've wanted to talk about Captain EO 
the Disney attraction in Epcot, and I think also in Disneyland for a while, where we have Michael Jackson as the titular character with a bunch of space characters as they go to a uh, weird sort of H.R. Giger-esque planet. Yeah, I wrote that exact same thing down. (laughs) Very Giger-esque, where we have a monster, Angelica Houston, and Michael Jackson, through the power of dancing, transforms her entire planet and her into a beautiful, beautiful 80s people. (laughs) Shimona! (laughs) Whoa! You gotta grab your crotch while you're doing it. Whoa! Yeah, if if, this, uh, if we haven't offended the audience enough yet, now imagine Zach and I grabbing our crotches throughout this discussion. <laughs> there we go. See, folks, if there ever was a yeah, if Cinemates can survive the double feature of Song of the South and <laughs> yes. Michael Jackson, we will survive anything. Oh, oh, absolutely. So I guess I have to say I've known about Captain EO for a while. I don't think I had ever seen it prior to watching it today because this is when Zach told me we were going to discuss it earlier today, and. I don't, I can't, I was trying to think of off the top of my head, maybe there's some low-hanging fruit that I'm missing that I couldn't think of. Is there anything else that's this dense with, like, star power and famous people's effort? And money. Because this is 17 minutes long. The budget's huge from what I read. It's got Michael Jackson. It's got Coppola behind it. It's got George Lucas behind it. Like, this is dense with star power and effort like that. I, I was trying to think of anything else that would kind of fall into this range, but I couldn't. You mean the context of Disney theme park nonsense just or in, in general? Just in general. Like, I mean, like a, like something this short with this much power behind it. Well, I again, I, I had to think about that for a while sure, to even come sure. close. I mean, it make, what you said in the context of Disney, it makes sense why it exists. You know, I'm not saying it's, it's like a crazy notion. It's just kind of like when I, you know. When you sent it to me, I was like, oh, how long is this? It can't be long if, we, if he wants me to watch it today. And then I saw 17 minutes, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I, I know that it was an attraction, uh, so it couldn't be that long. But just there's so much, like, production quality into 17 minutes. Yeah. Like, I, I've heard some stories about this over the years that, like, Lucas didn't really have that much of involvement with it. He was kind of there. He more brought, I think, Coppola into the picture than anything else. Okay, okay. Because Eisner knew Lucas from, from Raiders of the Lost Ark when he was at uh, Paramount. Sure. And that's, and that's what it was. Again, Eisner was brought into Disney to kind of, like, re- rejuvenate it, bring again, get the kids back on board. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you kind of have to go a little bit into the history of Epcot. Because Epcot was... Epcot's been one of those weird things that's always been hard to discern just how popular it was at the gate. Like people, people went to Epcot, but I don't think it ever did the numbers they they really wanted to do the first few years. Okay. So they needed because it was always seen as the educational place. Oh. It still it still has that stigma to this day, despite the fact that they're nowadays they're really trying hard to remove it because again, mm-hmm. mo- most of the educational aspects of it. And we delved into this a lot back during. Uh, uh, the the oh god whatever it was called oh my god it's driving me nuts the, the Epcot thing we did back I forget what oh my god I'm not oh sure sure Horizons right yeah the Horizons thing and uh, I don't know why I'm having a brain fart I can't think of the name of that video right now I wasn't even there for that episode <laughs> <laughs> no problem sneaking into there. a forgotten Disneyland ride or Epcot ride or something yes, like that yes but no we kind of talked about then though but it was always the idea that Epcot always had the educational stigma to it like Magic Kingdom's where you went when you wanted to have fun Epcot's where you went when you wanted to learn and I don't even remember when I was younger my father used to always talk about how great Epcot was it's like oh Epcot's the best park out of all of them he I don't think my father really we went to Ep- um, Animal Kingdom once or twice he really didn't 
get a true feeling of that park. Okay. But uh, no, with Epcot, I always had that stigma. And even when I was growing up, I, I never wanted to go there. And as time goes on, it's one of those things for most Disney fans is that we all were kind of fed that narrative of it's the educational place. Mm-hmm. But it, it had the out of all the Disney parks, or at least the U.S. parks, it had really the truest identity. And that's something that, again, it really did, because you like, back in the like late 80s, you really had a little bit of everything. You had energy, you had uh, health, you had uh, the future, you had motion, you had uh, aquatic, uh, aquatic life, you had the land, you had imagination, yep. you had world showcase. And it was, it really was like a modern perpetual world's fair. And the problem now with the current incarnation of the Disney company is that instead of trying to figure out how to revitalize these ideas, we just scrap it all and make a Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster. <laughs> exactly. The universe of energy now is a Guardians of the Galaxy like mission rewind. And it's a roller coaster where you listen to 70s era pop music. Yep. People, like we were saying earlier in, in this series, we, you know, we want people want what's familiar, what's safe. And I would say, by definition, learning something is encountering something you're not familiar with. So, of course, no one wants that. They want Groot again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. Is this that Groot thing all the kids like these days? <laughs> like, that's a stick, Grandpa. It has to dance. <laughs> um, uh, no, the thing about it is that, like, you think about what went on. Like again, this this Captain EO is ma- or released in 1986. And they were working on it a couple of years beforehand, but it was the idea that like again, it's that juxtaposition of Disney to now, uh, now versus then, where people, it's they want to revitalize I, Epcot despite the fact it was only open for four years at this point. But it's the idea that it was so clever. It's like this went into the Imagination Pavilion, and well, like yes, Disney did not have the sheer breath of ips they do now but the idea of doing a michael jackson 40 ride with with george lucas and francis ford coppola especially with all the you had angelica houston you have Mm -hmm. james horner scoring it that's a novel approach to revitalizing a a, a theme park sure and that's the weird thing i get it like in today's culture we do not have anybody near as ubiquitous and at the time as wholesome as michael jackson Mm mm-hmm and I guess by today's standards, Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy really is that equivalency. Okay. <laughs> and I and that's the weird thing with this is that like and I, I mentioned it last week that my father absolutely loved loved this. This was always a thing he talked about when he referenced Epcot. And I would have loved to have seen this. This is one of the very few attractions, like mentioned last week as well, that they actually brought it back. Once Michael Jackson died, because it was, this was a huge thing in the company's history. The fact that you had all this talent together sure. on this sort of scale, it was, there, there really wasn't anything quite like this back in 1986 on the scale that Disney could do. Yes, of course, there was 3D shows that had like effects and stuff, but nothing is grand in scale as Disney. And I think, even though I've never experienced this firsthand and neither has Rob, I think a lot of just the sheer scale and grandeur of this translates pretty well even in the form of the youtube video yeah i was actually impressed with the uh with the quality of this for sure yeah and i think that's the biggest thing like even over the years like the first time i'd ever seen this was back with my extinct attractions club dvds and on the uh, journey into imagination dvd they included this there it was a pretty good copy it's not as good as the one that we watched on youtube today but i think in the sense of like it's essentially a oh god an elongated michael jackson music video 
Yep. Yeah. I think I think it's great for what it is. Like you, it feel. You no, know, again, back in the day, twenty five million dollars for a Disney ride was a lot of money. Or not even a ride. It was it was a essentially a a, a, a movie. Yep. I think a lot of that you can see that money on the screen. Oh, a hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah, and that's why as I'm, I've always wanted to talk about this in the sense of. There's no, there's been nothing else quite like this. Like Rob already said, you have this this sheer star power, the money poured behind it, the company, and I think from what I've read over the years, it did its job. It got the youth back into Epcot, okay. Okay. and not and again at the time Epcot really was still for the most part dry. I think that we're in the midst of the MTV age, and you have again World of Motion, you have Horizons. You have the land, and at that time, all those things were very dry. There was no such thing as a thrill ride at Epcot. The first true thrill ride at Epcot was Test Track, and that wouldn't open for another 13 years. And that's, again, I don't know, that's the thing about Captain EO that I find just so peculiar, is that it did have this huge impact on the company, mm-hmm. but they've never, again, yes, it does have the, one of the very few privileges of being brought back. Again, only a handful of Disney rides have ever been brought back from, the, from, from extinction, but the company never really knows what to do with it beyond just installing it in a theme park and then letting it do its thing and just okay. running it, running out of juice, and letting it sit there because <laughs> sure. for years fans have begged for like an HD like release of the film and Disney just won't do it. <laughs> and I bet a lot of that too is because you do have two Michael Jackson songs in here that they probably Ex- license. Yeah, yeah. And so it probably is an issue of them writing a check. And like we've already said numerous times that unless they're getting something back mm-hmm. monetarily, they're not going to, they're, they're never going to do something just to appease the fans without making a healthy profit on it. Oh, yeah. But, but Disney Plus is one of those things that people were kind of holding out hope that maybe that'd be a surprise in there. Yeah, that's kind of when you, uh, when you sent this to me. I uh, definitely, you know, we hadn't talked about it. I was kind of, you know, not fully surprised, but definitely like, huh, this isn't on Disney Plus. And I guess I kind of should have expected that, but it was some- wasn't something I thought about. And it kind of, you know, uh, caused me to raise an eyebrow, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And that's the weird thing. It's like fans have been wanting this. And I get it. Like in today's day and age, nobody buys physical media anymore. But putting this on the streaming service would be. And, and again, they do have a, a remastered print because they had to remaster it for the uh, 2010 re, like redo of the attraction. Okay. So they do have a remaster. So all this is just a matter of just uploading it to the site. And again, mm. pay and obviously paying licensing costs for music. It's 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 yeah. more of a bureaucratic hurdle than yeah. it is any sort of practical one. Like, okay, we have to spend money. We got to pour money into this, just restoring it. It's not that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's a shame because I do think this does deserve. Like, unlike Song of the South, where it's like nobody should care about this thing. This does deserve some attention because this was a huge part of Disney history in the mid eighties. Yeah, yep. And, and it has that spectacle level. I even, I'd forgotten about this, but Rick Baker did some of the makeup for this. Legendary oh, visual yeah. effect or a makeup effects artist Rick Bader, Baker worked on this. Right on. And it's like, again, it's one of those things where unless it makes the company money in the trash can. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Even on a merchandising level, like I know for a while you could buy like Captain EO t-shirts and even like with the kind of like the the poster of the attraction. Mm-hmm. But uh, even like the ja- the the shirt that Michael Jackson wears, not not the whole getup with the jacket and pants, but even like his tri-colored shirt. You yep. think that would just be a license to print money? 
Yeah. And it, it existed. Don't get me wrong. It's like, if you go on eBay, you can find it for like $500. Okay. <laughs> but most of them are like fan recreations. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing that, nothing official. Okay. Yeah. I don't get it. Like, it's, it's funny. That's one of my, been one of my uh, dream Halloween costumes would be Captain EO. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's, it's so obscure now. You would have, it would take, how long we've been talking about this, Rob? 10, 15 minutes. It would require 15 minutes of context to explain to somebody who you are. <laughs> then it's like, oh, so who, who's Captain EO? Michael Jackson. And everyone goes, oh. 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 <laughs> and, that's, and that's part of it, too, is that, like, I think it was nothing short of a miracle that they brought Captain EO back after Michael Jackson's death. Mm-hmm. And now, like with this whole like in the Stark Raving Dad, like yeah. I, that's oh, why yeah. that's what that's why I call the renewed controversy the Stark Raving Dad. And considering that's not also on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. it's like I, I would imagine I wouldn't be surprised if Captain EO ends up being like the weird quasi successor of the Song of the South and being this weird sort of just persona non grata part of history for Disney. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I could totally see it kind of fall in the same way. Yeah, and that's and that's why I kind of felt it was oddly appropriate. It's a weirdly apt double feature. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Two things. I, yeah, I didn't just to forget. I, I didn't really, you know, think about it to that extent while I was watching it. But you're absolutely right, of course, with the, you know, all this, what we, the culture at least, you know, knows slash thinks about Michael Jackson. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that that's kind of the shame of Captain EO because there's a lot to appreciate. Can, like the visual effects are great, the character designs are great, the mm-hmm. choreo. Again, it's every because Michael Jackson held himself to a very high standard. Yep. So, he, and that's why this was so expensive too. Is that he just like, he would not budge on any sort of just laxness in just the quality here, and it shows. Like I think this is you know, is timeless because even toward the end, like. Yes, some of the effects are corny. The fact that like he transforms people and they turn into like '80s backup dancers. Like, yeah, yeah that's corny, but it's at least quaint. Sure, it's sure. it's inoffensive yeah, in that yeah. sense. There's like, whereas Song of the South, its actual content can be taken as offensive. I don't think anything intrinsic to Captain EO the show. It's more just oh, Michael Jackson was involved with this, thus we must destroy it because anything Michael Jackson touched must be destroyed. Yeah, yeah. And that's just ridiculous to me. Yeah. yeah. Like we discussed numerous times, whether it be uh, <laughs> yeah. R. Kelly or all these, any of these other characters, it's just, uh, again, it's the idea that, like, what, what's Rob's famous uh, uh, analogy he makes that, like, if someone's inspired by this, like, oh, uh, if, if my brother, like, was on the verge of suicide and I read, or what's the R. Kelly song? I believe I can touch the yeah, sky. Yeah, I believe I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe it's I like can that, if, if that person, like, stopped, like, Stop themselves from committing suicide because of that song. Should my brother have killed himself? Yep. It's, yep is that yep. it? Because it's like if, if every if we're going to throw out everything that person's ever worked on, that means all the good has to be thrown out too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't pick and choose. It's eradication it has to be true eradication, and I think that's what these people don't think about. You know, and I, I like the the suicide with the brother is a, is a great one. Also, the you know what if ten years from now there's like an eight year old kid that has like no understanding of R Kelly really gets into, like, uh, I believe I can fly. We have to kill the kid. The kid's going to grow up to be a terrible person. Clearly, that's what they want. Or, or like, how, like, what do you do? Or are they going to say, like, your parents, they have parents have to have the birds and the bees talk and tell the kid about everybody who is ever mean or to somebody on the internet throughout history and why they should avoid them. And it's, that's, it's just ridiculous. You can't do that. You can't police uh, culture like that. You can only teach people to be better. Like, like I always say, R. Kelly's a despicable person. I hate R. Kelly, but that will never make me like think that Trapped in the Closet is not a work of art. It always will be a work of art. 
And we're canceled. Yeah. <laughs> and we're canceled. <laughs> All right, folks. It was nice having you on Cinemodies. Uh, we won't be hearing from you. Won't be hearing from us next week because we will be gone. What about a Song of the South remake? Oh, where R. Kelly plays Uncle Remus. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's that's. Ugh. I think that that literally will never happen because you could not <laughs> put him on a set with children. We've learned that. <laughs> The children have to be have to film the children's parts in a different studio, like somewhere across the country. <laughs> yeah. And then di- digitize R. Kelly in. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, that's, uh, again, Captain EO, I could go more and more about the, spe- uh, the specifics and stuff. But as a whole, I think it's interesting that it's another aspect of Disney history that even though they don't blatantly ignore it as much as Song of the South, yeah, it's yeah. it's almost more implicit in there just kind of like ignoring it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I would love. It's one of those things where I'd love. I'd love to see this like in all of its uh, in superb like HD. I would absolutely love it. Sure, sure. And uh, clearly, they don't care. It's just not a priority to them. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Overall, I would say, like I said, this is the first time I watched Captain EO. Um, I I enjoyed it for the most part. You know, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I was. I had no problem with it. Um, made me chuckle a few times. Uh, I love that Max Rebo's in it. They call him Hooter, though. It looks just yeah, like Hooter. Max Revo. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hooter played has by the best. Tony Cox. Yeah, I saw that. That's great. And that's was like my favorite line, or the one that made me laugh like out loud was, "They get to the supreme leader, like they get to the planet when we get our HR Giger vibe." And um, she says something like, "You're all infidels." And in the background, you hear Hooter say, "Infidel." Like he doesn't understand what it means, and that got a laugh out of me. Infidel. Infidel. And then you got to, like Zach said, it goes into the music video aspect of it. And you have, you know, great choreography from Michael Jackson. Um, everybody, you know, stepping in time. It's I, And then Angelica Houston shows up and I was like, oh, shit, it's Angelica Houston. It was good fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess everything about this is neat. Like, like we talked about watching Song of the South for 90 minutes. It feels like it's 16 hours long. Yeah. This is this is 17 minutes long. It feels like a four minute long music video. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, I was I was like watching it, you know, I wasn't checking the time or anything. I was getting into it and I got hit with a fucking YouTube ad with like a minute to go. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, like I, with a one minute left, they hit me with an ad. That, that was YouTube. not true. Goddamn <laughs> yeah. YouTube. Yeah, everything else, everything else I was into. Yeah, like I said, again, it, it has its cute moments. Like it really was like one of these things where it's like it makes sense. You have you bring all these oh god titans of the entertainment mm-hmm. industry together and even though it costs an insane amount of money yeah you got a, a i think a product that could pretty much live forever oh yeah definitely i think this does work it's just kind of like a um they're not oh, there's a name for them but they're so rare that i i, ne- I never remember it but it's like this happens you know there'll be m- musicians you know i know this was a different case with the the attraction at a, at a park type of thing um but there's musicians that'll you know they'll have a song that's you know in on the album, it's only like five or six minutes, but they build up kind of short film from it. And the music video will be, you know, like 15 minutes and the song will just be part of it. And that's how I see this. This is just, you know, we kind of get a double feature of Michael Jackson music put against a, like a sci-fi storyline and it's good fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things we really don't get anymore. We really don't. Yeah. It's just uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the ride, Frozen, the ride, Ratatouille, the ride. And it's like, oh. 
again, I, I think it'd be really fun. Like, it's one of those things. Yeah, that, like, yeah. Michael Jack. Like, if this was like made today, you'd love to see. Like, an, I don't know who you'd even again. There's nobody as ubiquitous as Michael Jackson anymore in pop culture. But like, let's just pretend that like let's pull Michael Jackson of 1986 into 2019. It's one of those things where I'd love to see the further adventures of Captain EO. Yeah, like, this is, yeah. I, I, this is like prime fodder for like a movie, a TV show. Like, like that's one thing too. Is like again, I'm just picking him because he's the low hang, low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. But it's like, uh, oh my god, Donald Glover. It's like I'd love to see like you cast another actor that can act or that can act and sing as Captain EO and have the adventures of Captain EO. Like yeah, if you, if you, if you are gonna pull from your your canon Disney, enough with like Lion King. <laughs> like enough with like the Aladdin, the low hanging fruit. Like pick something that like oh, it's really fertile ground. And you can do anything with it. Absolutely. Have some really good. Just have some good music and make it really like like what's the word? Spe- uh, not spectacle, but really kind of like fun, pulpy sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and I, I I would love to see more of this because I think that was the the biggest confusion of this to me was like. The beginning of this short film, whatever you want to call it, made me made it seem like, or I got the sense that Michael Captain EO's crew was a bunch of screw ups, mm-hmm. and they're like they're like the worst crew in the fleet. But then he could he could shoot transformative lasers with the power of music out of his hands. Like how how can they be screw ups? Can everybody shoot lasers out of their hands? And so I was I would love to know more about that world. Yeah, that was the weird thing about this. Like, like watching it and you didn't get yes, it's like the barest just embarrassed of just like plot to kind of hold the entire story together mm-hmm. but it's like oh we're the biggest screw-ups in the entire whatever it is legion but we're the best it's like, yeah, that, yeah. That, that doesn't work that way you can't be the biggest screw-ups and the best at the same time those two those two ideas are mutually exclusive it's like yeah so i mean i i would imagine maybe like every captain can use the power of music to transform people maybe he's not special in that sense that would be interesting yeah. You have Michael Jackson, you know, with the power of his type of music, and then there's like, you know, you got like, I don't know, Iron Maiden would show up, and they'd have a different power of music, and you'd have all this music mm-hmm. fighting. It'd be good fun. Yeah, I, I, it's weird that, they, that this is one of those things that they could very easily pull forward, but I guess with anything Michael Jackson, it's just going to court controversy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But even the, I, like you said, you know, just drawing the, the stuff that, Take the stuff that isn't controversial, you know, take out the, it doesn't have to be Captain EO, it could be another captain and tie into it. Just play with more of the, um, like the, the atmosphere of it. Like I, I love the beginning. It, it made me think of the black hole and that was a, uh, I like that movie. And you know, we get some really neat little bits and pieces in here. Like I love that little touch where I think they're, Michael Jackson wants to go into battle, but they're like, no, we can't, you know, we're going against orders. And he's like, everybody to your stations. And it shows like that little hovering robot like fly into the back of the bigger yep. robot, and I'm like, that's that's so cool. Like he has like a like this docking station, and he, he becomes like you know, oh now I'm just a person sized robot who can command the ship. But when he needs to be little and repair stuff, I guess he can do that too. And I'm like, that's such a great touch. That's such a great little just costume design. And I, that's what I wanted more of, and that's what they they should want to expand on. Nope, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, Groot, Rocket Raccoon, Chris Pratt <laughs> screaming at a green yeah. woman. How many times can they make a joke about Rocket Raccoon wanting someone's body part? Like for fucking real. Like get over <laughs> it. I hate that. It was kind of funny the first time I saw Guardians of the Galaxy, which I did see in theaters back in the day, and I actually enjoyed it in theaters. Now everybody knows that it's changed for me completely. I don't enjoy the superhero <laughs> stuff. And, you know, it's just rehash. It's that safety, that familiarity. That's just how many different ways can we play with this one joke 
or handful of jokes because they've worked in the past. Yep. It's like it's like what it's like it's taken them 22 movies or however many there are now to build up like the Rube Goldberg of of audience the Rube Goldberg machine of audience um recognition that you know arrested development did in like three episodes where it's like why do we fit why did people or, you know part of the structure of arrested development that Rube Goldberg was you establish certain things that certain characters do and certain lines that you know aren't really funny when they first come up but then you start to switch them around with characters and you know dominoes start falling and you you get things because they reference back to other things and that's all marvel is now it's like Endgame is just like, hey, do you remember that joke that we made in that movie? Yeah. It's like it's almost become like it's Family Guy, where Family Guy's, do you remember this? Do you remember this? Do you remember this? That's Marvel now. It's just callbacks yep. and stuff like that. And it, it's just what people want. Uh, dear. All right, Rob. So unless you have anything else to say, I guess we'll move into a Cinemati and or Late Night Movie. Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think I'm ready for it. Which, um, oh which one do you want to start? Which film? Do you want to start? With? All right, let's let's start off with Song of the South and the no in the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad movie. <laughs> okay, uh, so I guess Cinemodities and Late Night first. So Cinemodities, um, I I kind of want to say yes, but because of the context, not because of the actual film. Like everything we discussed, where this is just boring, this is bland. You know, looking at it even from that, not the non-racial perspective, this is just kind of like a strange thing from Disney. And I think I want to say yes to Cinemodities for that. You know, the very disjointed nature of it, like I said, I didn't expect from a Disney film. So I think I want to say yes to that. I, I remember last night, I, I thought when I woke up this morning, I didn't, like, write in my notes my answers because I wanted to think about it because I watched it so late. And what I thought of for Cinemodities was the same. But last night, apparently, next to late night, I wrote Forever. Just forever, and I no, don't agree. I no, don't agree with no. that. No, I think I think I might have like got distracted by something there again. But this is definitely a no to late night for me. No one would want to see this. I wouldn't want to sit through watching this. I don't think there's anything really to to be gained from this or add to that discussion that you can't go and get from you know other sources. Um, and I'm sure there's this has been you know podcasted to death about the the legacy of this film and stuff like that. So. You know, no, no to late night. I'm even going to change it in my notes. I don't know why I just wrote forever. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Uh, as a cinemati, not because of the film itself, but because of just, I guess, what the weird just behavior Disney's been doing around this movie, the weird sort of like beating around the bush. That's what makes this cinemati because it is, it still is this forbidden fruit within the Disney canon. Yeah. And yeah, yeah late night, no. No, this is not. This is a <laughs> not a very good movie. It does not hold up in any respect, outside of a fantastic performance from James Basquette. And even though he gives a great performance, I, you know what? Just watch Zippity Doo Dah. Watch the three minute long clip on YouTube, and you've done your due diligence on Song of the South. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good, it's a good song like we talked about last week. <laughs> yeah, the only reason why you should be watching this movie is if you are like a completist and like amateur disney historian yeah like if you're somebody who's consumed all the disney animated films then i guess you're kind of obliged to watch this mm-hmm. but other than that no if you're if you're a casual fan no this this is a waste of your time yeah yeah you're not gaining anything from this no and that yeah late night movie no f that okay do you want to do snacks for this and then switch over to the other one what do you th- i don't uh... even remember we just we just did a double feature and fans vember i don't even remember how the hell it's we handle it? It's all blur. I don't want to remember anything <laughs> from the episode. Um, no, except for Death Kiss. I want to remember Death Kiss. But no, I guess we'll do Cinemati late night for uh, Captain EO, then we'll do snacks all at once. Okay, okay. That sounds good. 
Yes, for Captain EO, I'm going to say no to Cinemati because it's just you have it's kind of my same reasons why for saying no to Total Recall. You have all these kind of titans of the industry coming together. They had an insane amount of money and they made a competent product that anybody could enjoy. Okay. It's there's something wrong. There's some really weird parts in Captain EO, like the whole idea that you have like HR Giger, Angelica <laughs> Houston, oh, and yeah. you have Michael Jackson with the ability to turn people into like 80s dancers. Like that's that's weird, but mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense in the context of when it was made and released. Um, as for late night movie, I think yeah, I think for 17 minutes, this is a, a rather concise late night movie. Let's say like Rob always says, you have somebody in your clutches, but they just took a bunch of Nyquil. And you gotta get a really quick late night movie in there before they pass out. Uh, there you go. You got fifteen minute late night movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna agree with you completely on late night. I think this is so uh, easy to watch. It's it's quick. It's enjoyable. And you know you kind of get that. It's something that you can show to somebody, and they might never have seen it. And hell, you know maybe I, I think there's a good bit of people that I know I hang out with. They probably never heard of this. I'm sure they've heard of Michael Jackson. You know, I'm saying, but specifically Captain EO, they might be unaware of it. So I would definitely want to show it to them. And I think. Uh, we're split on cinematities for the exact <gasps> reason we were split on Total Recall. I was I I want to say yes because this is so dense with power behind it. And I did also want to ask you is there a lot of like sci-fi Michael Jackson stuff? You know, I guess you could kind of uh, thriller like the music video for Thriller is not really sci-fi, but is there anything else like Michael Jackson space that you're aware of? I couldn't think of anything. He did I I think I've mentioned it before on here that he did do the the it's like a weird <sighs> I guess it, you could call it a uh, visual album. I don't know if you can call it that of Moonwalker. Mm-hmm. I think I've talked to you about that, where it's like a bunch of his oh, stuff from like. That it's, sounds it's from familiar. The, I yeah. think it's from the bad. I think it's from the bad album, right? That was his. That was what after Thriller was the bad album. I believe so. Yes, I think it's a lot of stuff from that. So you do have things like I think if you know the music video for Leave Me Alone, I think that's where that comes from. The Moonwalker. Movie, wherever you want, what the correct uh, term of it is. Okay. Moonwalker is, it, from why I can, I've not watched Moonwalker in a while, but it is in that same, it's closer to Captain EO than it is pretty much to anything else. Okay. Okay. I might have to check this out because the internet describes Moonwalker as an experimental anthology musical film. That's right up my alley, and apparently Joe Pesci's in it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, I, have, I found the videotape a few, like I think last year. Um, it's it's in my room right now. I've always wanted to watch it, but it's just one of those things where it's a, it's it's weird. It is. It's not super weird, but it's uh, yeah, seems, it sounds like it. Sean Lennon's odd. in it. <laughs> why wouldn't he be? <laughs> why wouldn't Sean Lennon be in Moonwalker? Uh, no, I, it's weird for the the era it was produced in especially coming okay. from michael this is when michael jackson was transitioning from like the all-american like ubiquitous king of pop and more into like oh maybe this guy has some weird kinks we don't know about yet okay okay oh the first song on moonwalker is man in the mirror that's probably my favorite michael jackson song My favorite Michael Jackson song is uh, Another Part of Me because Ooh, of this. Right? <laughs> You're just another part of me. <laughs> Crotch grab. Crotch grab. We're sending off. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll start the clip here.
Right on. All right, snacks. Okay, I uh, I only have one for Captain EO, so I'll get that out of the way. Uh, at the beginning of the Captain EO story, when we're getting kind of the set, uh, the scene setting, all our characters are getting established. It's before uh, Michael Jackson appears as Captain EO, where I think you know everybody's making fun of Max Rebo Hooter. They're all making fun of him because apparently he's always screwing things up for this this group of people, uh, for this this crew. And then when they're uh, Cap- uh, Captain EO shows up. I think they're on the way to the planet. They get involved in battle. And then they all start saying, like, where's the map? Which I yes. love that idea that they're in fucking space and they still need a map. <laughs> that's that's great. But then what? I think Hooter says he eats the map. Yes, he does eat the map. So that that's the menu. That's the menu item. <laughs> it's just a map. It's just a regular map. And then, like, say someone orders it. Not even of the restaurant. It's just a map of something, you know, maybe when you go to like one of those rest stops on highways and you get the map of like the state you're going to you're in or going to be in soon. It's just maybe one of those like it's a big map. It's a hearty meal, you know, and then when the the person gets it and they call the waiter over and they're like, what is this? It's just a map. And it's like, yeah, that's what you ordered. And they go, how am I supposed to eat a map? And it says, well, why would you order something off of a restaurant menu if you weren't planning on eating it? And so, you know, we can get a good uh, debate between uh, <laughs> the waiter and the customer there. <laughs> so, yeah, just, that's all I had for Captain EO was a map. Do maps even exist anymore? Can you still get no. maps at those no, highway map, things? Maps don't exist, Rob. It's called yeah, smartphone. I, it's called Google. It's called Google, it's called you can Google get Maps. Them. Exactly, yeah, or Waze. Which all do right, you Rob, use? How do you navigate when you drive, Zach? <laughs> Rob, we all know the answer to that. Uh, you... Turn the wheel all the way to the left, close your eyes, and literally put the pedal to the floor. <laughs> and somehow you always end up where you need to go, so it works. <laughs> all right, what is your snack for Song of the South? All right, okay, so I want to start with the one that I think I did not finish. Like, I think I got distracted. But I wrote down, I want Uncle Remus's cane. Oh. But, uh, but I want, I, 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 ha- I, I can't remember what I wanted from it. I, I can't, why would I, I would have put this as, if that was the complete thought, I wouldn't have put this under snacks. I would have just written the note, I want his cane. Because the canes are cool. I did canes. But I must have wanted his cane to do something or be something in the restaurant. But I can't remember what the hell it was. And I sure as hell don't want to watch this movie again to remind me. No. Is there anything he does with the cane? It's my last snack as well. So it would have been later on in the movie. Is there anything you remember he does with his cane? Not really. He just uses it. It's just a regular old cane. He might do something toward it. I think. I think when like we start to have the merging of the anime world and the real world, he might do something there with it. Okay, okay. So maybe maybe I can think of it for our two year anniversary. I, I was just about to say that. <laughs> Figure out why I want this dude's cane. <laughs> okay. The other um, since we mentioned it, I'll go next to um, you can order bacon off of our menu, but you can only pay for it with firewood. So what do you think is a, as a form of payment? You could you could use firewood, but it only gets you bacon. What do you think, Zach? I I don't know. It depends what kind of uh, firewood it is. Is it has like to good be firewood? Good, has to be good firewood. Otherwise, you know, what the hell is is the point of bringing in firewood? Like it's got to be good, hardy, dense wood that's going to last us through the winter. Or I guess maybe <laughs> the winter is not the best. The thing we need to last through. We need to last through like. I don't know, the detente between the Cinemodities restaurant and, I don't know, the National Guard or something when they're trying to, you know, cut off our supply routes and, and smoke <laughs> us out type of thing. <laughs> I don't know. Bacon's pretty expensive. What kind of bacon are we giving them? Oh, that, ooh, that's a, that's a good question. 
Is it like really thin bacon or is it like that hard, like the, the thick cut? I don't know if they bring it, maybe if they bring us like good firewood, they would get their choice of bacon. But if they are, if they bring us like bad firewood, they're going to get like, you know, burnt bacon or something like that. <laughs> like low quality, like great, like D. What about, what about one of the, like the non-sliced bacon, like one of the slabs, we just cook it up uncut. Oh my God. And then give that to somebody. That'd be very difficult to cook the center and not screw up the outside. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Firewood is payment. Yeah. Firewood for bacon. The Cinemodities bartering, uh, introduction of bartering at the restaurant. Can Dude, I have bacon? Do you have firewood, sir? <laughs> Like, I didn't I didn't know I would need to. Well, now you know for next time. <laughs> I like the idea of going to the Cinemati's restaurant. You need the equivalent of, like, tokens to get anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you want bacon, but you only have cash. You have to go to, like, a little dispensary and be like, okay, uh, how much does a 20 get me in, like, like logs of wood or firewood? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We go, Come on, everybody. Kids, get in the car. We're going to the Cinemati's restaurant. We got to stop at the grocery store to buy a bundle of wood first, though. <laughs> you get arrested, My, like, uh, chopping down yeah. trees on someone's property. It's like, Your <laughs> Honor, I needed firewood for the bacon at the restaurant. <laughs> totally defensible. Totally defensible. <laughs> I, uh, my other two snacks were, um, at the beginning of this movie, we get to see some hot fireplace poker action. And when I, <laughs> when I say hot, I mean literally the fireplace pokers are hot. So I was thinking, what if we had fireplace pokers, like, hot, preheated, you know, or maybe we heat them up as we give them to the customer, as utensils. I think we discussed this before, that we have different utensils. Like, of course, there's forks, knives, but I, there's something I think we, we had a, we, some crazy item from a movie. We were like, let's make that a utensil. Oh, that's right. It was Nicolas Mandy, Cage's right? axe from Mandy. Yeah, you could use that as a, as a utensil. Yep. And I think tridents, too, maybe from Whitest Kids You Know, when they were eating spaghetti with sure. tridents. Um, so what about like glowing hot fireplace pokers as utensils? I don't know. That's a hard one to use. Like I, I try and I get harder than an axe. <laughs> I don't know. An axe. I don't know. Axe at least has a pointed edge, like on one side. Well, this I'm thinking it's like a, it's like a, a, a skewer. Like a, yeah. It's like a big toothpick. You know, you, you get this hot as fuck piece of metal. You got to stand up from your seat and like jab <laughs> the food on your plate and then Use two hands to move it around and like I don't know. Do you try and I it's guess like if you're, if it's you're like ballsy, very... you try and eat right off the thing. But you know, <laughs> it's like a very elaborate form of fondue. Yeah, yeah, it's like exactly. It's, 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 it's like an insane level of fondue. It's like expert level. Yeah, I also like the idea of just to, in general, like if you had a, like a, a fireplace poker hot enough, and then maybe like a piece of meat that was small enough. When you stab the piece of meat, it would like cook it. As you were like serving it to yourself, this could streamline the restaurant. We don't need to. We make the customers cook their own stuff with hot fire. Oh boy, food. even better. <laughs> we are also giving the customers a weapon. Yeah, that's not good. Does this mean since all of our waiters are wearing uh, like walk around costumes, do we have to commission these costumes to be like heat proof or heat tempered? So they 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 have some. Well, of course they're going to need to be a lot of proof. <laughs> I know, Rob. I have to figure that one out. Okay. And then the last snack I have, just I think the name says it all, frog in a box. You order it, you just get a live frog in a box. And if you want to eat it, that's fine. If you want to take it home, that's fine. If you want to set it free, I guess that just will catch it and use it for another order of a frog in the box. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, it might keep your kids, you know, uh, 
busy for a little bit. You got a frog in a box. Cool. I also, also I like saying frog in a box. You like saying that? <laughs> it rolls off the tongue, yes. Frog in a box. All right, my snacks. Step, step one, cut a hole in the box. Step two, put a frog in the box. Step three, have her open the box. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to do the motion of the box just right. Yes. With your arms. Yeah. Make her open the box. For all the fellas out there with ladies to impress, it's easy to do. Just follow these steps. One. Cut a hole in a box. Two. Put your junk in that box. Three. Make her open the box. And, and that's, that's the way you do it. It's my dick in a box. <laughs> oh, God. That was a blast from the past. <laughs> that was. Uh, all right, my snacks. Um, first, much like the Dune from Jodorowsky's Dune, I want the song from the Song of the South in the restaurant. Oh, okay. Is the is the song like zippity doo or is it just I, an I don't intangible know. thing? Okay. <laughs> I, it's, it's like the Dune from Jodorowsky's Dune. I want the song from Song of the South. Okay, okay. I guess that's better than saying you want the South from Song of the South. No, no, we don't want that. No, that, that, that's not allowed. <laughs> Cinematis doesn't endorse that. Um, or the restaurant. One of the very few lines the restaurant won't cross. Yes. Uh, two, kind of I just thought of this on the spot. I like the idea of taking uh, fondue. We have a little thing of, we have a little heater on the table for cheese fondue, much like your chain, like uh, fondue restaurants. Mm-hmm. Your, your waiter will come over and grate the cheese into the middle of the, uh, the burner or the little bowl, and then you get little like your fondue forks. But what you get is you each get copies of Song of the South on DVD, and you dunk it into the cheese. <laughs> to eat this, or just to, to damage? Well, either your choice. <laughs> okay, okay. Because this film really does not have any significance, and I think the idea of dunking it in cheese is kind of entertaining. That dunking the DVD of Song of the South in cheese fondue is more interesting than watching Song of the South. Oh. I like I like that one because we haven't had that before where we're dipping something in a movie into something. But I love kind of we're we're after all these episodes, we're slowly building up to this kind of pseudo ranking system in terms of the restaurant where if we it seems like if we like the movie or I mean, maybe we're neutral towards it, we will always just come up with snacks if we dislike the movie, but we don't hate it. We somehow damage the movie in the snack idea. And then the things we hate, we just ban from the restaurant. You know, it's like we have this weird. It's like you could, we do this whole cinemodities and late night and discussion. But our audience could probably just get a sense of how we felt about the movie based on our snacks. Okay. Just skip ahead, folks. Give it to the last like 25 minutes of the podcast. We have to start doing it at random times throughout the podcast. Now. Like sometimes we'll be at the start. Sometimes we'll be in the middle just to keep everybody on their toes. Got to listen to all three hours of Disneyland fun, folks. And I like that we're damaging or, or using these movies in a in different ways because I think it was Infinity War where you were like just just like put the DVD in a blender and make a smoothie out of it and make the customer drink that or we, we were we were like cutting up the script and serving it like a paper smoothie or something or I something think it was like Infinity that. War and so it's like we're doing all these weird different ways you know we got a we got a DVD smoothie. Now we got uh, DVD fondue or whatever form Song of the South is in. Oh, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's the, the worst the film becomes. We have to make it more uh, entertaining to us in the restaurant. Definitely, definitely. And would it, so would it be a cheese fondue? Would you let anybody do this with like a chocolate fondue? No, it has to be cheese. I want orange. I want, to see, I want to see the movie covered in orange goo. And it's not real cheese either. It's like cheese product. It's like smelt. <laughs> 
No, what's okay. it called? No, melt. Melt, not smelt. Melt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like that. I see, it's I not, thought, when, you said, when you said smelt, I thought you were getting it because you were saying how the waiter's going to, like, melt the cheese while you're there. I thought you were going to say you're going to get out, like, you know, a blowtorch. And... <laughs> no, I don't dislike it that much. <laughs> okay, okay. It's bad, but it's not Infinity War bad. Melting cheese to a DVD. <laughs> yes, dunking it. Dunking it in melted cheese. Oh, my God. Then, like, after you do that, you're like, what, do you, what, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, I don't, I don't make the rules around here, kid. <laughs> I don't get paid enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and as for my snack for Captain EO, I am I am going to break the fourth wall, folks. Uh-oh. In the Cinematis restaurant, I am going to be dressed as Captain EO, and I'm going to take on his power of the ability to make people dance. Oh, I'm going to walk around the restaurant and shoot my my glowing like fist at you, and you will all become '80s like hair metal dancers. Oh, I was about to say. And when you shoot your laser blast out of your hands, does it turn whoever you shoot into the A-teens? No, let's so you keep, have let's keep. running around. No, no, no. It has to be. I, again, I am going to be Captain EO. I'm going to make everybody dance. I have the power to make okay. people dance. Zach's like, I can't do that, Rob. If that happened, I would probably explode. It's not sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I wouldn't be able to contain myself. But no, it would be very similar to how we talked about last week when it came to like Johnny Depp wandering around Disneyland as Jack Sparrow. Like every once in a while, when I've had too much to drink, you'll catch me in the Cinematis restaurant um, with the power, dressed as Captain EO, with the power to make people dance, <laughs> except I don't have that power. So you'll see me like making fist at people. And I was like, what is he doing? And then Rob comes around or the Rob waiter is like, just, just ignore him. He thinks just dance. He'll go away. Just, just, just do, a li- do a do a little jig. He'll he'll think he he made you do the power to dance. And he'll just move on to the next table. It's kind of like the, what those weird things they have, like what the Broadway shows where they start bothering people that sit in the aisle rows. Oh my god, I hate that shit. Yeah, it's that. It's essentially that, but the cinema yeah, restaurant. I make you sh- dance. Yeah, I've been to shit where like the the actors will come out like during intermission and like mingle with, and stay in character and mingle with people, and I'm just like fucking. I'm like, leave me alone. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I know that part of this gimmick is you got to like interact with at least everyone in the audience or at least who's, you know, waiting around for the, the house lights for the next uh, act to come on. But it's just like, just fucking leave me alone. I'm here to see the play. You, whatever conversation we have should not be important to the play. And I was at one where they were like, oh, the things that they say to you in the intermission are like reference the story. And I'm like, fuck that. Like, fucking what if I had to go to the bathroom during intermission? Do I just miss that part of the play? Hate it. Hate interactivity. <laughs> Well, folks, I'm going to make you dance. Yep, Zach's, Zach loves all that stuff. And so as long as you don't make me dance and you make the um, the people wearing my walk-around costume, you can make them dance, but I'm I'm okay. immune to the dancing. <laughs> okay, good, good. Everybody's immune to the dancing because that's in my own mind. <laughs> I think maybe you'll like you'll find to, that you actually have this power and this is how you unlock it. Oh, ooh, ooh, I like <laughs> that. At first I think it's a joke, and then like, I really am able to do it. And I'm like, wow. Oh, yeah. And I, I think Zach would also agree when if he actually had this power, you better believe he'd be using it for evil. He might not think it's evil, but the world <laughs> would think it's evil. <laughs> it's objective evil, but not to me. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> like I've already said, folks, I, I am going to I'm going to create my own fanny gauntlet and put all the 18 CDs into them. And with one snap, that's why I have I'm Captain EO, but I have the 18s gauntlet. And with one snap of my fingers, the entire restaurant starts dancing. <laughs> yes. Now that's your laughing place, Zach. I'm happy, folks. I'm in my happy place right now. <laughs> oh, that's good. All righty, Rob. So how are we going to end this week's episode? Oh, God. Got to be worse. I, I, 
it, it has to be something from Captain EO. Or should we do some maybe a mashup of a some something from Song of the South and from Oh, some of that horror music from Song of the South. <laughs> that would be good. All right, Rob. I'll let you I'll let you figure it out in, in Okay, post. yeah, I I like that. That stuff is that's creepy. <laughs> Put that next to some Michael Jackson. Oh. Perfect. Nightmare fuel. Perfect. And Miss Sally, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> What did I say in the text? Oh, yeah, I said, because Zach was like, Miss Sally's a bitch. And I text him hours later. I'm like, yo, man, you were downplaying this. She deserves the electric chair. 